Wendell Berry begins his poem, The Wisdom to Survive, the very one that we read together in unison. He begins this poem with this stanza. He says, if we will have the will to survive, to stand like slow-growing trees on a ruined place, renewing and enriching it, if we will make our seasons welcome here, asking not too much of earth or heaven, then, a long time after we are dead, the lives our lives prepare will live here. If we make of our seasons welcome here, Barry says, asking not too much of earth or heaven. This is one of those sermons where the minister just knows that he's speaking to the choir and not just the ones in blue robes. Anyone that has come to a Unitarian Universalist church on Earth Day knows what the sermon is going to be. You all could give it, in fact, and that actually might be interesting. (laughs) You know why we're here. You know what the message will be. So what does a poor preacher have to say? Year after year, Earth Day after Earth Day. Forgive me, I'll try something. We all know what we need to do to save the earth. We have known for a long, long time. It is no mystery at all who caused the current climate predicament and how. In some ways, we caused it, you and me, and a whole bunch of generations before us. But you and I, we had a hand in it. And we have all heard long, tedious sermons about how bad the situation is right now and how it's only going to get worse. Heck, I've preached a few of those sermons myself over the years, and I have found them frightfully long and tedious, even while they were coming out of my mouth. So I'm not going to repeat that mistake this morning. You can all heave a sigh of relief. This is not going to be so bad. I'm simply going to assume that we know what the problem is and that we are here because we are prepared to help. I'm going to assume that we all have the wisdom to survive. I'm going to assume that a long time after we are dead, the lives our lives prepare will live on this earth. You and I know what to do to save the earth. We don't need to wring our hands and complain that big companies are ruining the planet. If they are ruining the planet, then they are doing it because we want them to. This morning I'm going to propose four things that each of us can do right now or in the near future that will stop global warming and make all of us live much more contented lives in the process. How's that sound for how, how's that sound for a deal? All right? All right, stick with me. Here's what I propose. I propose four things. That we live together, that we buy less, that we eat local, and that we travel by land. Let me repeat those. That we live together, that we buy less, that we eat local, and that we travel by land. 
there's no one here this morning that can't easily do at least two of those four. <laughs> Let's see what you think about my proposal. First, live together. One of my earliest memories is of the day that my family swapped houses with my grandmother. Where I was, when I was born, my parents and I lived in a little log cabin that was stood on our family's Montana cattle ranch. My recently widowed grandmother lived with her own mother in a big white farmhouse just a few hundred yards down the road from our house. When I was little and after my brother Mark was born and my great-grandmother died, my parents and my grandmother's grandmother decided that they would just swap houses. Our family needed more room, and Grandma didn't need the big old house to herself. So for a couple of days that summer, I remember helping carry our belongings out of our house and down the road to Grandma's house. Then I would pick up a few things at Grandma's house and help my mother or my father carry it up to the road, up the road to our house. And little by little, over the course of a few days, the houses were simply swapped. Everyone agreed that this was a sensible solution. I spent the rest of my childhood living in the white farmhouse with my grandmother living comfortably in the little cabin up the road. Live together means finding a space that is right for you at whatever stage of life you are in. Sometimes live together means an apartment building. Sometimes it means a duplex with your parents or your children. Sometimes it means a multi-generational household. Live together applies in urban, suburban, and rural settings. It is efficient, economical, provides community, and prevents further sprawl. The co-housing movement in the United States, I think, is one of the finest examples of people intentionally living near each other and sharing what they have. Number two, live together, buy less. As some of you prepare to zone out for a couple of minutes because you don't think this might not apply to you or you hope it doesn't, let me sure assure you that this is easier than it sounds. Every time I go camping for a week, I remember how little I actually need to survive. While I would not want to live for very long in my tent, sleeping on the ground and cooking on my camp stove, my body does not actually need most of the things in my house to survive. Buying less is more about buying strategically than going without. I was raised in one of those families where useful objects were used until they were beyond worn out. You had to just be limping along with it before you got a new one. It's harder to do that these days with products being designed to fail faster, but with a little research, it is not hard to find the better quality items. You will know them because they cost more. The harder part is resisting the urge to buy something new and shiny and different. Shopping engages the same part of the brain that a slot machine does. When we buy something, we get a little dopamine rush. It feels good until our buyer's remorse sets in. 
The trick is to figure out what else makes us feel good. Exercise, volunteering, art, cooking, gardening, and to do that instead of shopping. If you want to go buy something, go dig in the dirt. I don't know about you, but I don't wear half the clothes or the shoes that are in my closet, and I suspect you don't either. So what are they doing there, and how did they get there in the first place? We bought them on impulse. That money would have been much better off in a savings account, and we would have been much better off doing something other than shopping. Three, live together, buy less, eat local. This is not hard to do either. There are lots of farm stands and farmer's markets around here. Heck, eating local should be easy, but I will qualify my glee. Eating local is not hard to do in the summer. (laughs) It is the rest of the year that gets us. In January, we look at the beautiful Chilean strawberries in their plastic coffins. (laughs) And we think, it's January. I deserve to have something nice and summery. I can buy these strawberries and nobody will notice. (laughs) Nobody knows me in this store. The gravest danger the planet is in comes from individuals who rationalize their little choices, thinking that one little purchase won't matter. I'm not trying to pick on Chile or on strawberries. Both are perfectly lovely. But if you see strawberries in January, you know they came to Massachusetts on an airplane. And the only reason that they came on an airplane is because some produce broker knew we would buy them, no matter the cost. We just can't seem to help ourselves. The other aspect of eating local that's worth lifting up is that local small business can save the planet in ways chain stores and restaurants never can. If there is a big plastic sign with a logo on it in front of the restaurant you are going into, You are paying a big corporation to maximize its profits for its shareholders. I'm not saying that the food won't be good. It just won't be good for the planet. And while we're at it, eating inside the restaurant is much better for the planet than all that takeout. I don't have to tell you that our Earth is suffocating in human plastic waste most of it really not recyclable, no matter what it says on our recycling bin. When you take the time to go into the restaurant, engage with a server, eat your meal on washable dishes, and then leave a good tip, everybody wins. You are more relaxed, the server is better paid, the planet has fewer to-go containers to deal with, because we all know that supply and demand governs everything in business, and we get to determine the demand. We're the ones who get to do that part. So live together, buy less, eat local. Here's the hard one. 
travel by land. Now, this one is especially hard for most of us, myself included. This is the one thing on my list that would make the greatest impact for the good. Airplane travel is the worst thing that any of us do individually to harm the planet. The very worst thing. And I'm getting on an airplane this afternoon so I can be in Santa Barbara this evening. (laughs) If you think I'm not preaching to myself, you've got another thing coming. My flight to California this afternoon will cause more pollution than if every person on the airplane drove there him or herself. This is madness. And yet, off I go to Logan Airport. The only way to be on the West Coast for me for a four-day conference is to fly. We have become accustomed to hopping on and off airplanes, going anywhere we like, anytime we like. We have forgotten that for most of human history, travel was difficult, expensive, dangerous, and slow. We all pretend we live near anywhere. The fact is we do, but at an enormous environmental cost. The planet will not be saved by business as usual. You and I will not be able to shop our way out of climate change. And all the wind turbines, solar panels, and Priuses in the world will not be enough without our habits changing. Until people like you and me start making different choices, choices that cause us deprivation, the earth does not stand a chance. There are better ways to travel, by train and by bus. Even our own cars are less polluting than air travel. If each person at First Parish in Concord was to give up just one airline trip a year, we would do more as a congregation to lower global emissions than anything else we could imagine. Let us go back to Wendell Berry. Wendell Berry is a man who has been at the forefront of the movement to save our earth for decades. He is a wise elder If we will have the wisdom to survive, he says, to stand like the slow-growing trees on a ruined place, renewing and enriching it, if we will make our seasons welcome here, asking not too much of earth or heaven, then a long time after we are dead, the lives our lives prepare will live here. We cannot live for ourselves and expect the earth to recover. We must live for the ones who will live here after we are gone. It is only in living for others, our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren that we will make a difference. As long as our selfishness persists, so will the destruction of the planet. It is only in living for others, the poor, the hungry, the exploited, and the enslaved, that we will make a difference. 
Our actions, large and small, matter. Do not wring your hands on this earth day. Do not think that you cannot help. Live together. Buy less. Eat local. Travel by land. Do your best. Keep improving. I will too, even though I'm going to Santa Barbara this afternoon. (laughs) Find pleasure in your own deprivation. And you will be remembered as one who had the wisdom to survive. So be it. Amen.